All right, I appreciate that we have great staff members, and occasionally I like to, to let them preach, especially this time of year. So over the next few Thursdays, we'll have some of the staff guys, and tonight is Brother Joseph, and looking forward to what he has for us. Brother Joseph, why don't you come? Thank you, Pastor. Are you on here? Good, all right. Uh, we should have a handout if you have not gotten it yet. Scripture's on there, points are on there. Feel free to follow along with us. Thanks for being here for midweek service. Nice to see a full house in the middle of the week. And so I'm glad that our church loves uh, church. We're in Philippians chapter number three tonight. Thank you, Pastor, for the privilege to preach. And uh, Philippians chapter three is right there near the top of your notes. Now, this is the time of the year where people start thinking uh, about the new year that's just around the corner, right? Uh, we start looking to 2024. I know, as Brother Dan mentioned, uh, next week the staff will take two days, and on the second day we have lunch with Pastor, and Pastor will cast a vision for the, for the new year to us as the staff men, and uh, he'll give us goals for Sunday school classes and discipleship and baptisms and whatnot, and so we're thinking about it. Uh, I looked up, I was just interested, the top resolutions... For 2023, I thought we'd, uh, we'd like to look at that for a second. There, of course, uh, 75 years and running, uh, the top New Year's resolution for 2023, as it will probably be for 2024, is lose weight. Lose weight, all right? Oh, where's Brother Rob? Somewhere around. Brother Rob's right back there. He said, uh, he said there's a co-worker that had been gone for a while. He came back to work. He lost 35 pounds. He said, man, you don't look good. You need to gain some weight. So he took him to a buffet that night. True story, right? And so if that's your issue, that is great. Go have a buffet and, and, and gain some weight. Uh, uh, and then the next one, of course, eat healthier, right? And if number one is your goal, refer to number two, right? And, and then the next one, exercise more. Now, that comes with the idea that you've already been doing some exercising, right? So if that's not you, then you would have to just put exercise. Uh, more time with family, uh, read more, drink less. That's not monster, that's not coffee. Okay, coffee should be drink more. That's my resolution every year. Eight more ounces of coffee uh, and get out of debt. Stop procrastinating for those people that have had the same lose weight for 25 years. Uh, that's for them. Uh, Pastor, actually Pastor Myers as well, uh, my, my dad would say it often. He would remind us uh, that, and I'll say this, most people they say that by February 15th, 80% of everyone who makes these resolutions, 80%, 8 out of 10 by February 15th, Pastor, they've already fallen off. They're, they're, they're back to their Twinkies and bonbons and, 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 and you know, the gym membership. They're just collecting your, your auto pay from your card, right? Uh, by February 15th. It's one thing to have a goal. It's one thing to have dreams and desires and plans. It's another thing to be specific in what it will entail to get there, right? We've often heard it said, if we fail to plan, we plan to what? Fail. A dream, pastor said this a couple times recently, a dream without a plan is only a wish. If it's not specific, it's not dynamic. My dad would say that a lot. He's like, doc, doc, get specific here, right? Uh, next, he loved this one. Nothing happens by osmosis, right? If you were around my dad, you know that. There's no shortage of stories where people thought they had a plan. They had a desired 
outcome, but because their steps of action to get to that desired outcome were not correct, they had undesirable consequences. I saw a story on, I want to call it Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, uh, that I had seen before, a, an eight-ton whale, a humpback whale, had washed up. How many of you saw this one? Yeah, an eight-ton, that's huge, that's massive. An eight-ton whale, dead, rotting, and bloated with a bunch of gases, washed up on the shore. And so they went back, the marine uh, division, whoever was supposed to clean it up, they were arguing, I'm not cutting that thing up, man. That thing stinks, it's eight tons. Our bulldozers aren't going to do well with that kind of weight on the sand. And so somebody came up with a bright idea, why don't we blow it up with dynamite? Eight tons, right? And so this, this engineer, everyone's an engineer these days, right? Gets this idea that if we get 20 packages of dynamite and put it on the land side of the whale and blow it up, it'll do two things. Number one, that much dynamite will just disintegrate it, but where it blows, it'll, it will face it towards the ocean and it'll blow it right into the ocean. We won't have an issue. And so... Word got out that they're going to blow up this eight-ton whale with 20 cases of dynamite. And so a crowd gathered. And the engineer said, you got a quarter mile for, for, for safe distance. This is a lot of dynamite here. And so they all backed up to about a quarter of a mile. They got the charge ready. They set the charge, and the dynamite exploded. First of all, a quarter of a mile was not nearly enough of a distance from that size whale and that much dynamite. And so it went up into the air and it rained down rotten, smelly flesh about up to half a mile out, or a little bit over, about a third of a mile out. About a quarter mile away, a huge chunk landed on a car and smashed the car. People that were standing by were covered in bloody, rotten muck. They knew what they wanted, but their course of action did not get them the, the results that they desired. And I couldn't imagine standing there trying to wash that off. Uh, windows broken and whatnot. In the city of, this is in India, in the city of, I think it was Delhi, they had a cobra problem. I, I'm, I'm pretty adventurous. I will eat, I've eaten pig feet. I actually tried to eat dog. No joke. They ran out. By 10 o'clock in the morning, Cambodia, they ran out. I wanted to try it. I'm pretty adventurous. One thing I don't do, Pastor, is snakes. I don't do snakes. Okay? I don't care. That, oh, it's just a garter snake. Satan was a snake. He deceived Eve. We've been messed up ever since. No snakes. But cobras. I know, I think in, uh, where, where, where'd Titus go? I think you guys had a cobra in your yard, right? If not, pa uh, pa Pastor Board's uh, yard. I don't do cobras. But they had a, a cobra population that, that got out of hand. And the local officials there, big city, they were concerned. They didn't like those snakes. So they had an idea. Let's put a bounty on the cobras. And every cobra you turn in will we'll give you money. Now, you know there's a lot of poverty in those towns, in those cities. And so long story short, they noticed that instead of the population diminishing, the population of cobras expanded greatly. They investigated to see why that was and come to find out these poor people some of them stopped their jobs and they started breeding cobras because they could make more money on the bounty than selling on the street corner. Another city, I forget where this one was, I forget, 
a long time ago, they did the same thing with rats. And they had a rat infestation, and so they put a bounty. Not a lot of money, but every rat you turned in, no, 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 uh, you kill the rat, just bring the tail in, and we'll give you bounty money. And so the local officials noticed something. A bunch of tailless rats running around. Why would they kill the rats and lose their money? You see, they knew what they wanted, but their course of action did not get them the results they desired. Uh, One more story that we can all relate with hits close to home in recent memory. In August of 22, last year, the California government thought it would be a good idea to finally make sure that California is carbon neutral, right? And so in August, they passed a law, it's now in writing, that by 2035, California can no longer manufacture or sell, manufacturers cannot sell gas vehicles. By 2035, it can only be uh, electric vehicles. Well, that was in August of last year. You all remember what happened in September of last year? It was hot, right? This is, look it up, very, it's hilarious. It was hot. People were using their AC. So in August, they passed this law, no gas vehicles. And in, in September, they came out and they told electric vehicle owners, please do not charge your vehicles between peak hours when everyone's charging their vehicles from 4 o'clock to 9 o'clock because the grid can't handle it. We haven't even phased out the gas cars yet, right? And so they had egg in their face. They have something that they desire, but the course of action that they're taking is going to be catastrophic. We live in such a fast-paced, neck-break-speed, go-go-go, microwave society. Many times we as God's people, we as humans in general, we, we... We know what we want. We have dreams, we have desires, but we don't get the desired outcome simply because we fail to look ahead and see what steps are necessary to get to where we want to go. As we look to uh, Philippians chapter 3, we'll get into the scripture here. I get to go till 8.05 because Brother Nick started us five minutes late tonight. Something about traffic jam or something like that. So, no, I don't think I will. As we turn to the scripture, the Apostle Paul, he was a go-getter. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he, he was not one to sit on his hands. He probably was like some of your kids that could not, just can't sit still. My, my wife and I were talking in the office today. I, there's, there's one of them. I won't call him out. But he cannot stay still these days. We're in the office. Stay right there. And so he's doing squats in the office. He just, he, just, he, he, he can't be confined. The Apostle Paul was someone who, I mean, he was on the go. He was not fully supported, so he planted churches at the same time that he was making tents, right? He was working on building churches and discipling people while writing scripture. Many times, the Apostle Paul, if you follow his life, he wished he could be two places at once. You ever been there? Like, man, I don't have enough time in the day, Brother John. I want to be two places at once. Y'all remember when he wanted to go to Asia, right? He wanted to go to Asia, and he said, let's go. They got the cargo ready. I believe they got the ship ready. What did the Holy Spirit say? Nope, don't do it. Go to Macedonia, right? And so he goes to Macedonia, but during that time, he never loses in his heart, I want to be in Asia. I want to be in Asia. I want to be in Asia. We tried three times. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let us. You remember when he was in Rome and he was discipling and winning people, and he wrote and he said, I wish I could be in Ephesus. This is even uh, deeper when he said, guys, I wish I could be in heaven, but I know it's more needful to be with you, right? And so he wanted to be two places at once. 
The Apostle Paul was not one to sit for very long. He was a go, 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 go getter. However, in chapter number three, actually the entire book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul is not going anywhere. He finds himself in prison. No tents to make, no ships to board, no journeys to take, no churches to plant, no hammer in one hand and stake in the other hand. The Apostle Paul finds himself with involuntary time to stop and to reflect on the past while considering the future. During this time, we see that by the Holy Spirit's guidance, he pens some resolutions that I don't believe were new, but it reveals Paul's heart and what caused him to do what he did for God. I believe that if we will adopt and adapt to the resolutions we'll talk about tonight that the Apostle Paul lays out for us in this chapter, 2024 can be the best year we've ever had as a church, as an individual, and as families. Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 to 14, the Apostle Paul writes this from prison. Not going anywhere, but reflecting, but thinking about the past, but planning for the future. He says, and, to be, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but, pastor led us in this theme recently, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. I'd like to look tonight at six resolutions that Paul wrote about as he was in prison that I believe, I really believe, if we get a hold of these resolutions... And if we live them out this year, as Christians, in our families, and as a church, I really believe 2024, 2023, Pastor, may have been the best year we've ever had, at least as far as numbers are concerned and growth is concerned. I believe 2024 can be leaps and bounds better if we'll get these things that the Apostle Paul shares with us in this chapter. Number one, the first resolution Paul made. First, I see, Pastor, you'd be proud of me. I alliterated. I'm not an alliteration guy, but Brother Hamlin and Pastor inspired me recently. We'll see how this goes. First of all, I see Paul's desire. Paul's desire, and that was to know him. Look at Paul, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Resolution number one is found in verse 10 when he said, That I may know him. I'm going to read that again. That I may know him. As Paul's life came to a grinding halt, and he considered what lied ahead, his greatest desire in life was to know Christ. 
crucified and to know him more. We might do well as Christians to ask ourselves this question. Do I desire to know him more in the next year than I did this year? We would do well as God's people to ask and take inventory right now. How was my walk with God in 2023? Not what it appears before men to be, but what God knows that it was. Did I really get into the word of God? Not to check it off of a list. Not to say I read it through. But because I wanted to know him more. How much time did I spend in prayer and in communion with God? Or did I at all? The greatest desire of every Christian should be nothing more than to know Christ more and him crucified. I want to challenge us as we, I hope we do, take some time to reflect and think on the year behind and reflect on what's to come. If our number one desire in life is to know him more and to walk more with him and immerse ourselves in scripture like no other year, we will have a great year in 2024. If there's one resolution, one ambition, one plan, one dream, one goal, one aim that we have for the, for the new year, let it be this, that I may know him. Let this be our heart's desire, but not just our heart's desire. Might it be a reality as we get to January 1st? Not our hobbies, but to know Christ. Not a raise at work, but to know Christ. Not who might win the 2024 election, that's important, but to know Christ. Not what the stock market might do next year, but to know Christ. There's nothing wrong with those things. I understand we got to provide for our families, but those things ought not to take first place in, uh, as opposed to me wanting to know Christ more. And then we might ask ourselves this question. If my walk with God was not what I think it should have been, what was it that hindered my walk? Sometimes it's not necessarily sin that creeps in, right? It's just life. You have more kids. My wife and I were talking recently. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I saw a chart, and, and they said difficulty of having kids, Pastor. You got Pat, you blew past this one. And it says, you know, one, it's a little bit of difficulty. Number two, it jumps up here. Three, four, five, just like pile them on, right? And it says when you get to number six, for whatever reason, it's like Mount Everest. It just flies up there. I said, man, that's where we are right now. I feel like we're... Where do you get time in the day, right? We have children, we have work, we have ministry, we got things we got to do, things we got to pay for, I get that. But sometimes, life itself gets in the way of that which is more impo most important. And that's my walk with God. And I might ask myself today, what was it? Now, this is me. And I've mentioned this before, about 10 years ago, Brother John, I was a sports radio and Political radio, you can call it a fanatic, okay? I would wake up, and this is, I'm dating myself. I forget their names, Pastor. There's Mike and Mike in the morning, right? Like 5.30 or 6.30. This is like 10 years ago. Probably all switched now. Uh, and, then they, and I would memorize it. I knew who came on at 5.30, then 6.30, and 7.30. And then I would go on in the afternoon. There was Sean Hannity. Then there was Mark Levin, right? And then there was, this is throwback, Michael Savage, right? And, you know, you have 8.70, you got 7.30, and the, whole, and the whole nine yards. And I came to realize that when I woke up in the morning, instead of desiring to go to this book, I was desiring to go to sports radio. 
And after work, I was not desiring to get into this book or think about my family, but I wanted to go and listen to political radio. And that was consuming my affections, and I decided, you know, I'm going to just ax it because I don't think that I'm strong enough to keep that in my life and still have the relationship that I ought to have with this book and the relationship that I should have and the affection that I should have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've asked it. haven't gone back in 10 years. haven't turned it on. haven't gone past it trying to listen to the scores. Not at all. 10 years. Now, he said, Brother Joseph, is that because you're a super Christian? Absolutely not. It's because I'm not strong enough to handle it. Now, that's what it was for me. For you, it might be something else. Entertainment, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, sports, whatever it is. We might ask ourselves tonight, what is it that's keeping that I may know him from being our heart's desire and our one passion that drives us each day of this life? And I want to challenge us. Let's get into this book like never before. Let's spend time in prayer in 2024 like never before. But it's not going to happen unless you sit down and you plan to do it. I have some stuff that I'll skip here for sake of time. Number two, number two. Number two, we, first we saw his desire. Number two, we see Paul's determination. That was to live for eternity. Philippians chapter 3, verse 11. He said this, he said, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. See, how was Paul so resolute in his walk for the Lord? You know why? Because Paul kept the judgment seat of Christ before him all his life. Whether in prison, whether preaching, whether working to make ends meet, wherever he went, he talked about the judgment seat of Christ. Brother Hamlin mentioned this recently, Pastor, when he preached, I think, the last night, maybe second to last night. He said, in our country, we used to hear a lot of messages about the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, messages about the judgment seat of Christ are helpful. Why? Because it keeps our eyes on that which really matters. Like I said, things can creep in. I know this. In the United States of America, the more we are blessed monetarily, the harder it is for us to keep our minds on the judgment seat of Christ. Because God blesses us, in turn we're able to accumulate things here on this earth. And what does it do? It takes our focus from where it really ought to be. The fact that one day there is a resurrection of the just. One day I am going to rise and there is going to be a rapture or I am going to stand before Christ. And it turns our eyes towards things here. Why did Paul, why was he so resolute? Well, let's look here. I think you have a couple verses here. Wherever Paul went, he kept the judgment seat in mind. He was before kings, judgment seat. Witnessing, judgment seat. In jail, judgment seat. Writing an epistle, judgment seat. Everything was, I'm going to stand before God someday. And I'm going to make every decision, every resolution with that in mind. And I want to challenge us as we consider 2024. Let us remember as we plan that we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And let us live like it. Let us plan for it. Acts chapter 24, verses 15 and 16, he said, And have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead. If you look at Acts chapter 26, verses 6 and 8, he said, Now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made to, the, uh, to our fathers. Why should it be thought a thing incredible that God should raise the dead. We'll skip a couple here. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15. He said, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. It shall be revealed by fire. If you look there, uh, he's talking again about the judgment seat of Christ. As we consider the year be 
behind us almost and the year that's coming ahead, let us ask ourselves, what am I doing to make my life count for the judgment seat of Christ? I did some calculations. I have nothing against video games. You would think if you listen to preaching that I do. Now maybe if you are a, a married man and you go home and you could be spending time with your family and you're playing video games... I'm not saying I'm against that, but the Apostle Paul did say, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Okay, take that for what it's worth. Um, and so I, that's not popular. Pastor, that went over like, as Brother Hamlin would say, a pork sandwich at a Jewish picnic. And so, but it is what it is. If you only spent one hour a day, from the time you're 14 years old, most people start video games earlier. If you spend one hour a day playing video games, just one hour, and by the way, playing video games, I know I used to play them for a couple years, Pastor. Not as a married man, okay? Uh, when I was a teenager, one hour goes by real quick. We had one of our teenagers come, and he bragged. It's been a long time ago. He said, during spring break, I spent 60 hours playing such and such a video game. I beat the game, and I even beat it on Legendary. You remember that, Dan? 60 hours, my soul. But one hour a day from the time I'm 14 to the time I'm 70, I will have spent 2.3 years of my life playing video games immersed in a fake reality. How am I going to stand before God and give account that I spent two full years of the life that he gave me looking at a screen, playing in a false reality, in a false universe with zeros and ones that make up the code? It's, it's even worse, excuse me, if, you, <coughs> if you're spending money on that stuff. The average person, not counting computer work, this is not counting work, this is off of work time, the average person spends three and a half hours, this is as of 2023, three and a half hours on this device right here. I believe it was from the time, I think I calculated from 18 to 70, you will have spent 7.5 years of your life right here. One of Jesse's friends got out of prison for the two, not too long ago. He came and visited our class. And uh, I said, what's the, he's been in prison for a long time. You know how it is, you can tell. They, they, they're just kind of disconnected maybe with the culture. So much has changed so fast paced. And I said, what's the biggest difference that you see from the time you went in? When he went in, the iPhone barely came out. He said something to the extent of, it looks like we are living in a real world matrix where everywhere I go, this is all I see. But it's like that frog in the water. We don't see it because we've become immune to it. How can I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say, I spent seven and a half years that I could have been loving on my kids and counseling my kids and time with my wife and going out soul winning or doing things that matter. Seven and a half years on that device. We are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And as we look to 2024, let us consider that. If you've ever been to the dump, we could talk about how we spend. We could talk about our time. We could talk about our finances. How many of you have ever been to a big dump, like a, big, a junkyard or a dump? There's one right here on Spring Street, and I've seen everything in there. I've seen computers. I've seen surfboards. I've seen skateboards. I've seen the whole nine yards. Let us remember that these things are temporary. And while they might give us some recreation, they are not to make up the majority of our time. Number three, and i got to move. Number three, Paul's declaration, I have not 
yet arrived. Now moving quickly, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he said, Not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after. The Apostle Paul had a doctor's degree from a prestigious doctor, if you would, of the law. He gave all his accolades in the beginning of this chapter. He had planted churches. He had seen people saved. But you know what he said as he thought about the past and he looked to the future? He said, I might have done a lot in my life, but there's a whole lot more to do. I'm not yet arrived. How's that for us? Can I say this? There's a whole lot more we can do as, uh, with our families. Is there not? How many of you have children in the home? You have children in the home? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, I've got two hands up. One for you, three kids. Uh, okay, that's a good majority of us. How many of you would say, my home has arrived? Our home is the picture-perfect home, everything God wants it to be. I don't think so. How about your life? Was 2023 the year that you arrived? No. There's a whole lot more that God wants to do in my Sunday school class. There's a whole lot more that God wants me to do through my scripture reading. There's a whole lot more that God wants to do on your bus route. There's a whole, more, a whole lot more people that God wants to see you get saved. There's a whole lot more that God wants us to do in our church. We had a great friend day. We had a great revival. We've had great youth conferences. We'll have a great youth camp. But 2024, God wants to do a whole lot more. We've not yet attained. And as we consider the new year, let's say, I, I, let's not get content with what God's done in the past. God, what do you want to do with me in the future? There's so much more that God wants to do. And I'm excited as pastor gives us little bits and pieces. I think about the gym and not just what we can do as a, as a church, but the outreach we can have. You ought to go check it out. They laid the first two or three rows of, of nice, I think it's three layers of thick maple wood. Ah, oh, it looks good. Uh, on our staff feed, Brother Ross suggested that the staff get out there the older guys, and play against the young guys. You'll see a bunch of guys limping up to the platform on Sunday. We're not going to do that. We know better. But it's exciting when pastor shares little bits and pieces of the vision that God's given to him for our church. There's so much more that God wants to do. We've not yet arrived. God wants to do so much more in and through us here at Pacific Baptist Church. Number four, number four. I see Paul's detention. Paul's detention. Christ had apprehended him. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he said, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I think you have another verse there. He said, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Apprehend, constrain, very similar words. What was he saying? He was saying, I live the way that I live. I'm not going to take time to do this illustration. He said, I live the way that I live because Christ's love has arrested me. Not just the realization that God loves me and Christ loves me, but the realization that because he's arrested me and because he's got hold of my life, I ought to take hold of the things he's called me to do. Look back to the scripture. He said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. He said, I am apprehended. What was a resolution that Paul said? He said, there's going to be nothing else in this life that has a hold on me like what Christ wants me to do with my life. And if we'll understand that the love of Christ constrains us, how much he loves us, and how much in turn that should cause us to love him. If I'm tied up, I remember, uh, Tim, you'll remember this. We were dropping Giorgio Spina off, right? You remember that? All right? And we're in the old red church truck. And 
We got pulled over. I was driving, and I got pulled out. Where's Anthony? I saw you up there today. I love LBPD. But this one officer was a little shady. Uh, and, and they came, and they said, hey, you, you're, you're, there's a shooting last night, and your vehicle matches the suspect's vehicle. All right, whatever. What do I got to do? We want you to get out of the car, and will you let us search the car? Pastor, I had no concept. Oh, yeah, search the car. I got nothing to hide. And so they grabbed me, and, and they said, spread your legs. Well, I've never been put on the, the, the hood of a car before, right? So he says, spread them more. Did he kick me, Tim? Did he kick me with his boots, all right? He's like, I said more. He's like, I said more. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, okay, it kind of hurts my ankles there. Then he got me in a, in a little hole back here, and, and, and he said, I said wider. And then he squeezed my hand, Pastor, harder and harder and harder. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, I was about to hold my fist. And, and anyways, uh, but I'm thinking, man, this is what it feels like to be detained. I, I didn't know that I was supposed to say, am I being detained? At that point, he probably would have said yes. And I won't say what happened inside the car when I went back to see what happened in there. But to be detained, to be arrested. You're not going anywhere. When you have the handcuffs on and you're put in the car, you are constrained. What's a resolution that Paul, that Paul made? He said, I'm going to be apprehended by Christ's love and Christ's calling on my life and nothing else is going to have hold on me. As we look to 2024, we might ask, is there anything else that has its hold on me that's causing Christ and Christ's love and Christ's purpose for me, for me to have a hold on, not to have a hold on me? I'm going to skip some stuff here for sake of time. I like sports. I do. Maybe I'll get the key and I'll go shoot a couple hoops once that gym's done, just to stay in shape. But they don't apprehend me. I like a good steak. My wife and I had some good Peruvian sushi the other day. I never liked sushi till I got married, Pastor. She did that to me. Uh, I like some good tomahawk ribeye. I like some good Thai food. I'm getting hungry right now. I'm about to go home and do something. Uh, and you name it, but I'm not going to be apprehended by the foodie scene. We have to make money to provide for our families, but we cannot become apprehended by money. We have to live in this world, but we should not be apprehended by its culture. I watch some limited entertainment as a way to unwind, but I'm not apprehended by what Hollywood puts out. We can take our children to activities for some recreation, but we should not be apprehended by amusement. We are blessed with modern conveniences, and I'm thankful for what we have here that makes life easier, but we should not be apprehended by a life of luxury. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have here in America, but I'm not going to be apprehended by the pursuit of the American dream. Why? Because we should be apprehended by the love of Christ, the cause of Christ, and what he wants out of my life. And as we think about 2024, let us ask, is there anything besides Christ's will and his love that apprehends me? Throw those chains off and say, God, your will, your way, and your love in 2024. Number, tw number five, number five. We saw Paul's detention. Number five, we see Paul's direction. What was his direction? His direction was forward for Christ. Philippians chapter three, verse 13, he said, brethren, I count not myself to have yet apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. If there's one thing that we do, the past failures, leave them in the past. If God blessed us with successes, they're also in the past. And as we look to the new year, let's go forward for Christ. Thank God for the victories. Learn from the defeats, but be resolute to go forward. It's not how we start, it's how we finish. 
I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I don't want to be a once was. I don't want to be a used to be. I want to be someone that every day of my life until the day I see Christ says he went forward. I'll give an illustration. I'll give the last point and I'll be done. There was a runner in the 2020 Olympics. I believe that was in Tokyo. Some of you may have seen it. It was a lady runner from uh, a Dutch runner. And she was in the last lap and she was favored to win, but she was trailing behind. And as they went around the 1,200 meter, she got caught up in a little trip up with three other, with two other runners and her, and she fell and she tumbled. And you can see her hit her, her abdomen, her chest hit the ground very hard, and you can tell it took a toll on her. The last lap is almost impossible to get back up from that type of fall. She got back up and she started running, and you can see she had it in her just, just there was something in her eyes, and she got up and she took off running. And she ran, and she ran, and she ran for sake of time. She won that race. You say, why? She did not let what was behind her stop her from going forward in one of the biggest days of her life to win that race. By the way, sometimes we have a little fall. Get up, dust up, shake off, and go forward for Christ. Just last year, that same runner had an injury right before her very first marathon. Right before it. She had an injury. She messed up her hip. And I think I have the quote here. She started off real poorly the first half. The runner, the leader's pack was already way out there. There was a very well-known former runner that was doing the commentating, and they, they said this about her. They said, she just needs to stop. Someone needs to give her some advice to step off and stop trying to run because she was limping. You probably know where this is going. By the end of the marathon... She won, and for a lady in that marathon, she got the second fastest uh, 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 time of anyone who had ever run that race, and she won that day. You say, why? Because she didn't let what was in the past stop her from going forward, past successes and past failures. By the way, as we look to 2024, forward, 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 forward. Victory is great. Let's go forward. Failures, that's okay. Let's go forward, and let's go forward for the cause of Christ. I'll give you the last one. I won't develop it. We'll be done. Number six, Paul's dash. What was his dash? What was he running for? The prize. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And if I can say this, if we run our race for Christ, there's a prize. By the way, there's not just a prize in eternity this is a prize right here and right now. This is a prize to see my family live for God. This is a prize to see people saved. This is a prize to see our church grow. This is a prize to see people discipled. There's a prize to see couples put back together, uh, relationships put back together. There's a prize. We don't just run as one that beats the air. No, we run certainly. Why? Because we know there's a prize for our running. And I hope that we'll take some time over the next couple of weeks. Let's consider the past. Thank God for it. But God wants to do a whole lot more in 2024 in the future. Let's make these resolutions. I really believe we'll have the greatest 2024, greatest year we've ever had. Let's stand together and let's pray this evening.